Good morning. Brother Mark, you prayed that we would be hearers and doers of the word. And I don't know if you read ahead in our study this morning, but I kind of think no. Well, you may have read ahead, but I don't think that's why you prayed it. But maybe. You can tell me later. But definitely, God wanted you to pray that in the context of what we're going to be studying. Please turn to James chapter 1. If you get to Revelation, you've gone too far. If you haven't gotten to Hebrews yet, then you need to keep going. Let's review. Last time we had an introduction to the book and we covered verses 1 through 18. Paul greeted them. If you remember, he identified himself as a servant of God, the Father, and of the Lord Jesus, the anointed one, Paul calls him. Excuse me, James calls him. And he's writing to the new Israel of God. To the 12 tribes, yes, God's people, but not to Jews in general in all those areas, but Christian Jews is who he's writing to. Not to the exclusion of others who are not Jews, but that's the context. And he's writing them, encouraging them to endure trials. Do you remember we discussed this? If I was to summarize it, here's the summary. Your faith needs to toughen up. And trials help that to happen. And that's why, from James's perspective, we should be glad when our faith gets toughened up. Because faith needs to be tough. It needs to be strengthened. It needs to be encouraged. So trials should not be something, if, if you have your heavenly goggles on, it shouldn't be something to discourage you because trials actually build you up. The testing of your faith develops steadfastness, perseverance, which is something that all Christians desperately need, isn't it? Steadfastness, perseverance. Christianity is a faith which requires perseverance. Remember, Jesus said, you should count the cost before you come because if you start to walk with me and then turn back, no, that is very bad. Better that you didn't start at all than to start and not persevere. You remember? Many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures until the end will be saved. Matthew 24, verse 9 through 13. We've discussed this and we know this for sure. The path that Jesus made for us, listen, he did it. But it's not an easy path. It's not. Some Christian evangelists make it sound like it's an easy path. It's not. Jesus himself said it's not an easy path. 
Oh, Lord Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere. And Jesus immediately tries to discourage him. Are you sure? I sleep on the ground at night. You want to follow me? Are you sure? I mean, even a bird has a nest. I sleep on the ground. It's a difficult path. It requires steadfastness and endurance. Remember, wide is the road. Easy is the path. It's a super highway that leads to destruction. Many follow it. It's a super easy path to follow. Not so the path that leads into eternal life. It's a small road, a difficult road. Few find it. Few are able to follow it. If that's true, then our faith needs perseverance. And trials are one of the ways that our faith will gain a, a hardness to it. And also, James said in the text that we talked about last time, prayer is a vital aspect of our faith. Are you in a tough spot? You don't know what to do? You're not sure? Pray. This is the teaching of the Bible. Super clear, right? There are some sections of Scripture that are not as clear as others for us to understand because our minds are, I mean, let's face it, we have mental problems, deep mental problems related to the fall. We do. You think you're reasoning correctly? You better be careful. You can't trust your brain. You might be able to. Make sure you test it first. But if you lack wisdom, you don't know how to handle the situation, you're in the midst of trials, pray. Ask God. And remember, we discussed this, and my wife and I discussed this later, and, and she's right, that we pray for things all the time, and, and from our perspective, they don't come to pass. And how do we handle that as Christians? We, somebody says, hey, my mom is going in for surgery. Can you pray for her? And we pray for her, and then something terrible happens in the surgery, and the mom dies. And we say, what happened? Did God not hear? He asked us to pray. We did. And listen, is this not troubling? Is this not does this not require maturity in the Christian faith? And to say, there are things at work that I know not, but I know for sure God wants us to pray for one another and bear one another's burdens. And I believe that he's faithful and just. And I know that Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. And from our perspective, we say, but I asked and he didn't give it. Well, what's the conclusion that we will come to? He's lying? We can't come to that conclusion because we know God cannot lie. He does not lie. In fact, no matter what he said, it would be the truth because he makes up the rules. That may sound funny to us, but when you cause creation you get to decide the rules of that creation. And whatever God says is just and right inherently because he said it. 
You able to, are you able to understand that? Are you able to believe that? That's a high view of God, and I recommend you adopt it. He's God. He makes up the rules. But Jennifer is right, and all of us know prayer is difficult. It is. But let's focus on the clear teaching in James. Do you lack wisdom? Pray. James says that God will bless with wisdom. The person who asks for it will get it. Except when you're asking, don't doubt. Don't dishonor your Lord by doubting while you're asking that he's even going to do it. Pray for help. Believe God will help because he's promised to do so. It may not be the way you want him to help that he will help. All parents know this to be true. There are things that your kids ask you for and you know it's not good for them and you do not give it. And in not giving it, you are loving the child. And in giving it, you would be unloving to the child, right? Any parent, you know this to be true. But there are other things that maybe it's not good or bad, but they ask for it and you say, sure, why not? Can I have a popsicle? Sure, why not? Let's get one. I mean, if, if parents love their children and they know how to give good gifts to them when they ask, how much more your heavenly father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Okay, well then at the end of our section last time, verse 12 to a few verses in, James returns to the subject of trials and the need for steadfastness. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. And we talked about temptations. Right? Steadfast faith is what's required. A fixed faith, an immovable faith, a persevering faith that endures until the end. And James says, and make sure you understand this, temptations are not from God. He's not tempted by evil, and he, quote, tempts no one. James explains that our evil desires are the problem, and they tempt us. And if we don't remain steadfast and fixed, then we'll be caught by our sin, and that leads to death. And then he ends the section by saying, no, God doesn't give temptations this is what God gives. He gives every good and perfect gift which comes down from above. Not temptation. God gives good gifts that come down from above. And he says, in whom there's no variance or shadow of turning. When God makes a promise in his covenant, he will fulfill his promise. He's not going to change. Okay, well, that leads us to today's section. We'll read 19 until the end of the chapter. 
Knowing this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law of the, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Amen. So James goes very practical. Verse 18, he talks about the word of truth. Verse 19, he's talking about the word of truth. If you want to have consistent faith, steadfast in faith, you should follow the teachings of the word. Right? And a consistent theme in the word of God is the theme of anger. And specifically, anger that reveals itself through speech, through words. I think everyone in here knows exactly what I'm talking about. Anger that reveals itself through words. Specifically, hasty words, usually. Anger reveals itself through words. Now, you've experienced this, haven't you? You've experienced it from others, and others have been inflicted by it from your mouth, probably. I can't speak for all of you. I can say it's definitely true of me. It's happened to me, and I've inflicted it upon others. James says that that shouldn't be the way it is. If you want to be consistent Christians, godly Christians, steadfast Christians, that's not how it should be. We should be Slow to speak. Slow to get angry. Have you been slow to hear? Have you been quick to speak and quick to anger? I have. And the scriptures are full of examples saying, be careful about this. Be careful. James is going to reference this struggle with words getting us into trouble a few more times in this book. Chapter 3, chapter 4, and chapter 5 all have very important passages about this. 
Remember, he says, the tongue, oh, it's, it's very dangerous. It's like a spark in a forest that's ready to blaze up. It's like a rudder on a ship. It's really small, but it can turn the whole thing one way or the other. Listen to the word of God. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Proverbs 10, 19. What's the teaching? It's basically the teaching is, if you're running your mouth a lot, there's probably sin in there too. You want to be careful and not sin? Be quiet. He, whoever, restrains his lips or her lips, they are prudent. They're wise. They're being careful with what they say. Listen, that was Proverbs ten nineteen. Proverbs thirteen three. Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Talk, 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 run in your mouth, and probably combined with anger. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Proverbs seventeen twenty seven and 28. If a fool keeps his mouth shut, maybe he's not as foolish as we think. Or maybe it just hasn't been revealed to us. Anger, verse 20, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. This point is not that we're going to gain righteous standing with God by not being angry. Anger in man is rarely the type of Righteous anger that is sometimes referred to in the scriptures. When Jesus flips over the tables and chases them out of the temple and says, you've made it into a den of robbers, that is righteous anger. Godly anger. I know that sometimes people want to fight for this exception. Isn't there anger that's righteous sometimes? Yes, there is. And I will say that 99% of your anger is not that. Even when you think it is, it probably is not. Humans are apt to run their mouths when they get angry. And they injure relationships and fall into sin. You all know this. I, are you a hothead? Do people know you and say, oh, he's a hothead. Oh, she's a hothead. If you are, repent. Repent. Don't say, well, it's just my personality. I've got redheads in my background. No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit of God is in you. And one of the gifts is self-control. If you're a hothead, repent. Ask God to help you. Don't be quick to get angry. Wouldn't you hate it if God was quick to get angry with you? 
You would have perished long ago. But God was patient, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and mercy. What about you, Christian? I think verse 21, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. I think this is, instead of being angry and arrogant and evil, guard your tongue. This is how to be doers of the word. The word of God teaches us, restrain your, your words. Guard your lips. Be careful. Don't rush into anger quickly. That's the word of God. Okay, well, you've just heard it, right? You're hearers of the word, but are you doers of the word? The point being, put those teachings into practice. Instead of getting angry quickly, control yourself. And you will be doers of the word. Because the word teaches us to be slow to speak and slow to anger. And so if we're slow to speak and slow to anger, we are doers of the word, which is what James is encouraging. If you're informed, verse 22, and restrained by God's word, you're doers of it. You're doers of it. When you're, being, when you're slow to anger and slow to running off at the mouth, instead you're humble and gentle and you speak to others as you would want them to speak to you, then you become doers of the word, not mere listeners of the word or hearers of the word only. There's 23, but he talks about those 23 and 24, that somebody who hears merely and, and doesn't do, that's, that's weird. I think that's James's point. It's like somebody who looks at themselves and then they walk away and they forget what they look like immediately. That's weird. If you hear the word, but you don't do the word, then you're deceiving yourselves. Isn't that what he says? Verse 22, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Deceiving ourselves, how? How are we deceiving ourselves if we're listeners, hearers of the word, but not doers of the word? And I think, I think the deception part is that a person might think that they're blessed by God because they hear the word. And definitely those who are under the teaching of God are blessed. But blessing comes from hearing and obeying the word, not hearing only. Quote, this is a teaching from Paul. It is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law that will be justified. Romans 2.13. In Luke chapter 11, there was a woman in a crowd and she raised her voice and said to Jesus, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. She's extolling his mother and saying, you are amazing. Can you imagine the honor that your mother has? 
And Jesus answered, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. He immediately shuts it down. Oh, you're my old Jesus. He's like, you should listen and do what I'm teaching you. That's who will be blessed. Not who hear the word alone. Listen to it. And keep it. If you look at yourself in the mirror and walk away and forget immediately, this is not fitting. Christians should examine themselves and know if you're in the faith. And if I ask you, are you in the faith? On what basis will you answer the question? I know I am. I can feel it in my heart. Is that what you will answer? And which, by the way, may be true. It's hard to know. It's hard to gauge that. How do you know if you are in the faith? If I ask you, sister, are you saved really, truly, deeply? Brother, are you saved? Has God opened your understanding and caused you to be born again? I'm not talking about somebody else right now. I'm talking about you the one who's hearing me. Are you saved really, truly? How do you know? On what basis do you know? And I would submit to you, one way you know is if you obey God. I'm not talking about 100%. There's no person on the earth that can do it, save Jesus. What I'm talking about, a good faith, sincere effort to obey the word of God. When you fall, you get up, you repent, and you try again. And you do this repeatedly until death. That is saving faith to me. How do you know if you're saved or not? Because you're a doer of the word, not a hearer only. And if there's a question in your mind, you say, well, I'm just not sure if I'm a doer, I have so much sin. Well, then you need to repent and obey the word of God. Listen, many times when people have doubt, it's because of sin. Sin is the cause of doubt. Stop sinning. Start believing. Don't you know that sin separates us from God? It's not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law. That's why we say all the time, there are lots of people who go to church every Sunday, but they're not Christians. And we're like, what? Why would you go to church if you're not a Christian? And there's many reasons why people do the things that they do. But they are hearers of the word only and not doers of the word. I don't think James is introducing a different form of a gospel than Paul. You're not saved because of your doing. It's evidence that you're saved. If you don't do what you hear, it's not fitting. You're not examining yourselves correctly. You ought to examine yourself, pray, and say, am I in the faith, Lord? Am I really in the faith? I don't do the things you want me to do. And then you can examine, you can say, maybe I need to, maybe I need help. Maybe I need to cry out again and ask God to be merciful to me. 
Maybe I need to walk with other Christians more closely. Because it'd be sad to be in church for decades and then still not make it. I mean, that's sentimentalism, but it, it's a shame, isn't it, to hear the word again, 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 but be a forgetful hearer, not an effectual doer of the word. Verse 25, James says, the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, freedom, and perseveres, so he's talking about the one who, who hears and actually does the word, follows its teaching. The one who perseveres being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So what? What are you saying exactly? It says the one who hears the word and is a doer of the word, that person, God will bless his doing. Does that make sense? The work that he's doing, but according to his faith, will be blessed by God. Why is it blessed? Because he's not a hearer only. He's a doer. He's persevering in the faith. Verse 26. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. If you can't control your anger and your angry mouths, then what should we say? It seems like your religion is not effective in making you godlier. Isn't that what your religion should be doing? Isn't it supposed to be working to sanctify us and to conform us? And if we're just angry and blowing up on people all the time, it's not effective. The religion's not working. James said, something's got to change with that religion. It's not doing its purpose. The practiced religion is not accomplishing its intended purpose, which is to sanctify the follower and to worship God. James's whole point is control your speech Control your anger, and you'll be a doer of the word. And one way to help you with that is don't talk a lot. Keep your mouth closed. Don't let your worship to God Almighty be mixed with people who describe you as a hothead. Instead, wouldn't it be to the praise of God's grace, if they say, he, he's godly. She's a godly woman. What do you mean by that? I see God when I see her. She's so patient. She perseveres. She imitates God in the ways that we're able to. not just in the area of anger and talking too much, right? There's lots of things that we need to work on. But this is one of them. Relationships get injured every day because people are saying stuff that they never should have said. You've experienced it on both ends, I'm sure. 
and it can never be taken back and it goes deep down inside and wounds the person. Control yourselves, please. Be doers of the word. Because real faith has certain characteristics. That's James's whole point. All the way through, you know, Luther didn't like it. He thought James was being too, too worky, maybe. I don't know how to say that. But listen, his point is there are certain characteristics that should be associated with your faith. And if those characteristics are not present, what is the deal? Why is your faith not effective? Why do you claim to be born again, but you act just like everybody else? And James's whole goal is, don't do that. That's not the way it should be. Don't be angry and blow up on people. That's not going to accomplish the righteousness of God. That's just going to hurt everybody. Real faith has certain characteristics. Listen to what the Word of God says in relation to verse 27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself oneself unstained from the world. So let's think about this. To visit orphans and widows in their affliction. When we think about this, Right, an orphan, a child with no parents. There could there be anything more helpless than a child with no parents? Humans are one of the slowest developing creatures on the earth. Like if you have a baby, how long until that baby can fend for itself? <laughs> Two decades? <laughs> I mean, you can leave for the weekend and leave a 14 and 15 year old at home, but if you're gone for too long, somebody's going to need to do a welfare check on that home. It, humans are slow to develop, right? You've got some animals that are born and they are walking and running around within 30 minutes. Is, the whole world is full of God's glory. Orphans need help in their affliction. They are afflicted. They have no parents. Widows in, the, in ancient times, most of the time, had no way of means of income whatsoever. The husband worked and got money, and the wife did not. When the husband passes away, they are in an afflicted state. They need help. James says there are certain characteristics that should come with the faith. One is being slow to anger. One is not being hasty in words. One is helping people who are afflicted. Of course you would help them. They're afflicted. Listen to what the Bible says about God. Sing to God. Sing praises to His name. Lift up a song to Him who rides through the deserts. His name is the Lord. Exult before him. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. Psalm 68, 4 and 5. If we want to be doers of the word, well, God takes care of the fatherless and widows. 
Should we? Of course. Of course it is. And then he, he ends and says to keep oneself unstained from the world. This is very difficult. All of us have been stained in some ways by the world that we are in. I, I challenge you if you say you haven't. Real faith is self-controlled faith. Real faith um, is aware that there is a worldliness that is trying to creep into our faith at all times. I mean, yes, it's, it's what James has been talking about before. Real faith is self-controlled. It's slow to anger. It shows mercy to the weak and the oppressed. But real faith keeps worldliness at bay. Worldliness, it's trying to creep into the flock. It's already in the flock in some ways. In every flock. When Jesus prayed his, prayer, his priestly prayer, and he's praying for the believers, and he says, I don't pray that you take them out of the world, but just keep them from the evil one while they're in the world. And we are in the world, and it's, it's difficult, isn't it? James comes back to this theme later in chapter 4. He says, Do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? The, the temptation of worldliness. This is real religion, James says. Keep yourself unstained from the world. It's a challenge. Jesus was tempted with worldliness, wasn't he? He led him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give you all this domain and its glory. It's been handed over to me. I give it to you. Therefore, if you worship before me, it shall all be yours. John chapter 15. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is. What is that which is good and acceptable and perfect? What's the point, James says, of real religion, true faith? Keep yourselves from being stained by the world. One commentator said, the world is a common biblical way of referring to the ungodly worldview and lifestyle that characterize human life and its estrangement from its creator. It is the system of order contrary to the heavenly order. Christians who have ended that estrangement by accepting the reconciling work of God in Christ must constantly work to distance themselves from the way of life that surrounds them on every side to keep themselves spotless from the world's contaminating influence.
Well, I think that's, that's all we have today. Think about these things that we've discussed and see if you're in the faith. And then you can say with faith, yes, I'm saved. God's had mercy on me. I can tell, I see his work in my life. I can tell where I used to wander all the time, now I don't. I can tell when I used to run my mouth and be angry, now I do it less or not at all. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this chapter of James. Thank you for helping us to read through it and to think of your thoughts after you. Oh Lord, help us. We confess that we are weak and we are blown by the wind. And Father, we thank you for the doctrinal um, heritage that we have in our church and the sound um, theology. But Father, we pray that you'd help us that we would put these things into practice. That we would be slow to speak, slow to anger. Father, that we would seek to show mercy and compassion on those who are afflicted. And Father, that we would be aware of the world's push against our faith. That we, we wouldn't be worldly, but we would keep ourselves unstained from the world. We pray by the Spirit of God that's in us, lift us up, encourage us, show us any ways that are wrong that we might forsake them. And bless us, Lord, by the power of your Spirit. And we pray you'd be with us as we have fellowship lunch together and be with us as we um, celebrate the Lord's Supper this afternoon. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.